0: What's up, everybody? You're listening to a D49er update. I'm your host, Chris Rivera. And surprise, we're going to actually bring you a new podcast episode because why not? And with me today, I have with me today, I have Bobby Yagake. He's the multimedia managing editor at the Daily 49er and contributing writer, Clint Duff. What's up, guys? What's up? What's up? How are you? And so today we're going to be talking about esports in the 2024 paris olympics
1: so yeah so apparently the international esports federation secretary general um leopold chung that's how you pronounce it told reuters that his um, organization is in deep talks with the international olympic committee to bring esports into the paris olympics In 2024,
0: and so there's been talks uh, to add esports for a while now, right? It's been almost a year, I think they were they've been in talks, or at least at least there's been some sort of mention about adding esports to the Olympics.
1: I think there's been rumblings, but this is definitely the first time where a major esports organization has at least said, "Hey, we're talking with the IOC
0: to add it to a future Olympics." And Clint, do you think? Uh, wh- wh- what do you think? It's the likelihood that esports will be added to the Olympics.
2: Um. Honestly, I want to say yeah, like a hundred percent, hundred percent yes. Because even though e- the esports goes against like the whole physical I- idea of the Olympics, the um, the benefits for the Olympics as a whole and benefit for the esports community as well is just positive there's there's not much negative that
0: i can see besides some stereotypes and um what are some like drawbacks why why haven't they like why hasn't the ioc like automatically said oh yeah we want to include esports what what are some of the content what's the contention over there
1: so on the subject of the debate of is esports a sport or not there hasn't been um, non-athletic competitions in the Olympics since the art competitions in the London Games in 1948. And the reason back then was because the IOC president at the time, Avery Brundage, who, God bless him, he said at the time he wanted to concentrate on more amateur um, athletes rather than professional. But ever since the late 80s, um, professional athletes have been welcome in some um, sports
2: and so continue on that like another reason you know obviously the one that is an elephant in the room is the whole like violent video game topic you know that's the big thing in the news in the United States for example you know violent video games and and that, and that is an issue because the Olympics has an image to keep, you know it's a, it's a worldwide community coming together mm-hmm. and they don't want to ruin that image with possibly the, the stereotype of violent video games so that is a, a hurdle that the Olympic you know committee ha- has looked at I'm assuming and are a little like we can't make that jump without looking at that hurdle and it's understandable and I can't, you know, fault them for looking at a hurdle like that.
0: And I think the, the sort of the violence issue in video games is sort of an interesting topic in itself because when you look at some of the sports, at least like boxing, um, you know, somebody that watches boxing is not <laughs> going to necessarily be inclined to act on any sort of violence or to, you know, physically hurt themselves or hurt others. Um, but there's still that stigma around video games and they, I know they've done research and there's really nothing conclusive that has a causal link to video games and violence. Right. Um, so, like, continuing on
2: the boxing thing, you know, it's like we have, you know, in Olympics, we have boxing. You have karate, I believe, and judo. And you have um, fencing, which is actually a sword fighting sport. You know, we have these very combat-focused um, sports in the Olympics. And we say, well, violence is an issue. Well, I'm like, we have really violent-focused um, aspects. Um what was the second part of the question it flew over my head? The, so bas- just basically sort of like the violence. Oh, the, 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 the studies. So yes, yeah, uh, the continuing studies. the studies. That's true. Like there's been multiple studies, especially in the United States, especially if you look in past recent uh, history. But the, if you look at both sides critically and you accumulate the number, it seems to land in the middle. It's You can't officially say 100%, oh yeah, violent games cause violence in a young adult. That is that is not true. Um, You know, there's been studies that say it promotes cooperation in young adults, depending on the game. So, so far, the studies is very 50-50. I'm not going to say 100% either way. That's not my derogative. Yeah, and in fact, in the story, um, I found a
1: study from the National Center for Health Research, and they basically said that while violent video games can generate aggressive thoughts, they said it's very difficult to actually prove that the violent video games necessarily causes the players to be violent due to many other factors including mental health and even things like living conditions of the person.
0: And I mean I think that you know it, Olympics they generate billions of dollars every time these mm-hmm. events happen and if they if they are interested in making money, it'll probably be in their best interest to include eSports into that. Um, I don't know how the ratings have been in the last Olympics. Um, But that would definitely, I think, increase their ratings and really, I think, expose people to would have never probably tuned into the Olympics in the first place. What do you guys think?
1: Uh, yeah, um, statistically speaking, I know for the recent winter Olympics in Pyeongchang, South Korea, I heard the ratings actually went down for that particular one. But I kind of feel if you go back through the Olympics, it really depends on who's competing and even things like who's going to be forming at the opening ceremony. Like, if you look at like games like you know Beijing 2008, you know, you have China, this really big country, and they put on this really grand, you know, opening ceremony and every, and then London 2012, you had. Um, you know, they celebrate a lot of British pop culture. I remember one of my favorite segments from the opening ceremony was when they went through the 20th century British music, like the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, um, Mudd, and so forth. So, in terms of ratings, I definitely feel, um, esports um, would add. I mean, in, I even wrote in the article that there are currently, um, and 250 million esports players worldwide. And Clint even showed me this website.
2: I believe it was for what game was it, Clint? Um, I think it was for the Overwatch League.
1: Yeah. And the interesting thing about
2: it is many. No, sorry, them- sorry. It's the um, Overwatch Cup. Forgive me, Overwatch Cup, not the league. (laughs) Right,
1: and the interesting thing about that was when I looked at the list of countries, a lot of the countries that participated are countries that have hosted the Olympics in the past, like a Scandinavian countries, Brazil, and and so forth. So I think there's definitely, the audience is there. It's a very, you know,
2: rabid audience and a very competitive um, event. Uh, So continue on that about, is there an audience? I would like, yes, depending on the game, of course. You know, not every game that shows up has a esports audience or audience. But for example, a game like League of Legends, League of Legends is one of the most viewed games in the world. And in, in I think it's 2016 in October, they sold out Madison Square Garden to the brim to watch 10 people play a, a video game. If that 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 is should be shocking evidence that these gamers, these nobodies so to speak, were able to sell out Madison Square Garden is intense and that's just one game if we look at a game called overwatch by blizzard activision blizzard blizzard um they every week during the overwatch league season they have three days a week they play and they can average 120,000 people watching for six hour periods and that's every week that's 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 no number you can be like you, you can't just bat an eyelash at that that's scary and if you look at like also Rocket League, Rocket League pulls in thousands of people and those are just naming three games, not counting other games like Dota, Defense of the Agents. So if if the question is, is there an audience? Yes, there is an audience and there's a passionate audience and they will tune in 100% guaranteed.
0: All right, guys. Uh, any final
1: comments? Probably um, Alice, one of the last concerns with any Olympic nowadays is they're trying to cut down costs, especially since... The Sochi 24 Winter Olympics in Russia mm. was the most expensive in history at $51 billion. So the clarification of have in terms of, like, would esports add to the cost, and the answer is not by much because... Um, Like we, I was talking about if Clintwood could they host this, and we found that um, this place in Paris called the Paris Expo, which is this convention center, they're fixing up and it's going to be hosting table tennis and handball. Like I figured that would actually be the um, be a really good venue for esports. Like there's, I believe there's like six um, halls in that um, convention center and. Um, handball and I believe handball and table tennis are taking you know one haul each, so they I think they could easily squeeze esports in. And the other thing that could reduce costs is one obviously in the Olympics. Um, other thing to clarify, they did say if esports becomes an event, it's going to be a demonstration event, which basically means they're going to give out medals, but mm-hmm. they won't be included in the official medal count. But the thing about that is, you know, in the Olympics, you don't win cash prizes. You win, you know, like medals, gold, silver, and bronze. So I think that would also take some of the cost away. And, of course, something that the Olympics loves that helps reduce the cost, it's things like sponsorships. And I'm pretty sure Clint could also tell you, but we were talking about how companies like, you know, Activision Blizzard, companies like um, Sega, and hardware companies like, um, you know, um, Dell... Oh, and um, and Razer and Asus, you know, they could also you know they could provide the computers, and the video game companies can provide the software. So the International wow. Olympic Committee, it kind of just falls into like what they're doing already with a lot of the um, with a lot of sports. You know, you see sponsors, you know, all the time. And I mean, even with the Upcoming Los Angeles Olympics. If you take a look, a lot of the venues, you know, they have corporate names like you know the Bank of California Stadium and the Staples Center. So I think it would the esports would very easily fall into um, how um budget conscious the IOC is these
2: days.
0: Less comically yeah,
2: peanut butter, back you backing on that. So like you said like the space. So I want to give an example of how much space it takes. So for example, um, if you're a local and you're tuning in, there's a place called you know Anaheim beautiful Anaheim, and there's a, there's a place called Disneyland. We love Disneyland, but across Disneyland... Oh, a, I've heard of that, yeah. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Disneyland. we all been there, hopefully, but there's a there's little place next to Disneyland that people tend to forget. It's the Anaheim Convention Center, and Anaheim Convention Center is a really big place, and there's an event that happens here called BlizzCon. BlizzCon's it's going on soon, um, and there's a place called the Arena attached onto the Convention um, Center. In the arena at BlizzCon, they host the World Cup for Overwatch, and literally... That space is very small, and in the competitors compete in just a really small space. And Spain obviously, cost space is an issue, and that shows like it's and it's super small. And this and then, according in the um, in the convention halls itself, these are huge halls. If you've been there, for other games for like Heroes of the Storm, they promote um, World of Warcraft Arena and Heroes of the Storm they for this big hall they'll take up like a back corner like the entire hall but the space requirement for this if that's ever an issue is very minimal and also like we were talking to you know like a partner said earlier very and we can use existing locations we don't need to build a new stadium to for this convention so it's a really nice small in scope so to speak but also again like on the sponsors you know you know, we sponsors are good for both sides. It brings in revenue because everyone wants this to continue on. And as you continue, like with like with like a Asus or the hardware, they can provide uh, hardware computers. So if you're on campus and you're listening to this on on B, MSI actually is sponsoring a little um, stress relief, and they brought their own hardware stuff like that, like MSI. They can if they get their brand. They can sponsor, and they can provide hardware that's cheaper for the Olympics and also good for MSI. And then software for, like, Blizzard brings in the software, good for Blizzard, great for the Olympics. So it's – either way, it's a win-win. At the end of the day, everyone wins on the sponsorship.
0: (laughs) All right, everyone, that about wraps it up. Again, thank you to Bobby and Clint for being on today's show. And this is officially going to be the last episode, Uh, but don't forget to check out Bobby's story. At the Daily 49er, uh, you can pick them up at the newsstands all around campus, as well as the Daily49er.com. And don't forget to follow them on Twitter and Facebook as well at Daily 49er. All right, peace out, guys.